Today on Blue 58, the defense has stolen a lot of headlines in Green Bay this year, and it's easy to see why. They've played unexpectedly well. But the offense is going to be what carries this team as far as it's going to go. So, how are they doing? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink. Happy to be with you here for another episode. And I'm happy to be coming closer to the end of 2021. We get a chance to kind of look back and reflect on a lot of different things. One of the interesting um, things that has come out this week, and I guess you've probably seen it if you've been on social media at all, is Spotify wrapped. We got a lot of um, a lot of interesting data out of that on the podcast end. Uh, tweeted out some of it at our Twitter page dot uh, or Twitter page today, twitter.com slash the power sweep. If you want to check that out, just wanted to mention one thing because it, it, there's just a, a happy alignment today. Uh, but one of the interesting things that they uh, they put in that report is that 47 people listen to Blue 58 via Spotify on their birthdays this year. I thought that was really neat because I always like to see what people are doing or think about what people are doing when they listen to the show and where and and how they're listening and, and stuff like that. And the fact that a bunch of you, apparently via Spotify at least, were willing to, to spend part of your birthday with me, I think that's pretty cool. And then I uh, headed over to YouTube today. Uh, check out the comments on the, the latest episode of the show or the one prior to this. And uh, got to give a shout out to Albert Robinson, who commented, bumping this early on my birthday. Love the show. Thank you, Albert. And happy birthday. So the offense, the Packers offense. Uh, in the Aaron Rodgers era, it's been largely about about the offense, almost exclusively about the offense in a lot of ways. And I figured over the next couple of episodes before we get back into the regular swing of things, we should take a look at the offense, defense, and special teams as the Packers prepare to make their final push towards the playoff here. Looking at the Packers offense, I think it's kind of hard to encapsulate what they're really about or what they're capable of. When have we gotten a look at the full Packers offensive machine this year? Arguably, never. David Bakhtiari has been hurt from the word go. Marquez Valdez-Scantling has been in and out of the lineup. Aaron Jones has been hurt. Elton Jenkins has been hurt. Aaron Rodgers has been sick. Devontae Adams has been sick. Robert Tunyon is out for the year. It goes on and on and on. So we've never really gotten a look at what the full Packers offense for 2021 could be. And it makes me wonder if they can hit their full potential for this year. But on the other hand, they're doing pretty well. Even if they don't ever reach the heights of 2020, the offense has played well enough to win virtually any game they've been in. Throughout week one, and the Packers have been in every game. Even even the game against the Chiefs with Aaron Rodgers on the sideline, Jordan Love completes one more pass. They're playing for a tie. Mason Crosby makes two field goals. Even if Jordan Love doesn't get them all the way down the field, they're at least in position to be driving for a tie late in that game. The offense has kept them in every game. The defense has too, but the offense has been capable of winning every game for for the Packers. In terms of raw numbers, kind of all over the map. 16th in points, 15th in yards, 3rd in turnovers, which is key because the way the Packers play, going pretty slow, a lot of time of possession. If you're going to play slow, you better take care of the ball, and the Packers are. They are 12th in scoring percentage. That's the percentage of drives that end in a score. Looking at some of the more advanced numbers, according to Football Outsiders' DVOA figure, they are 5th overall in the league, 4th by weighted DVOA. That's good. And they're 2nd 
uh, by their their Dave stat, D-A-V-E, their projection stat for how things are going to go the rest of the way. They are 6th in DVOA in passing, 12th in rushing. According to Pro Football Focus, they are the 11th best offense in the league. They are the 12th ranked passing offense and the 4th graded rushing offense. Not too shabby. And I think you can quibble with some of the stuff that's going on here. But overall, it seems like an offense that's very efficient, if not putting up blinding numbers. They're not necessarily blowing people out, but that's part of, partly a function of how they play. And overall, I think I'd be pretty satisfied with how the offense has played so far this year. 2019-2020, we used the phrase microchip offense to talk about Matt LaFleur's whatever system that he's constructed in Green Bay. That basically referred to LaFleur's tendency to have this very complex, lots of motion, lots of personnel groupings, lots of formations, a lot of stuff going on, very powerful, but very fragile. If you start taking out one, maybe two small pieces from that microchip, it it falls apart pretty quick. I think if we've seen anything in 2021, it's that the LaFleur microchip is kind of a thing of the past. You don't really have to worry about the Packers' offense just falling apart because one piece goes out. And look, it did look significantly different with uh, with Aaron Rodgers out of the lineup for a week, but that's to be expected. And even in that game, once they turned Jordan Love loose a little bit more, things got a lot better. So let's talk about what's going well for the offense. First and foremost, they are passing efficiently. No big volume stats for Aaron Rodgers this year. One of my predictions for the season, I was reviewing those today, prepping for this, was that Rodgers was going to throw for 35 touchdowns or more this season. He's sitting at 23 right now. Five games to go. Seems kind of unlikely that he's going to get to 35 plus. But, but just because he's missing out on the volume numbers doesn't mean he hasn't been efficient. He's tied for third in the league in the adjusted net yards per attempt number that we've made such a big deal about over the past couple of years. That, I think, is the single best stat for looking at passing efficiency. It touches on a little bit of everything. Yards, yards per attempt, interceptions, touchdowns, sacks. You cover all your bases as far as passing efficiency there. And Rodgers has been really good. He's done a good job of uh, just managing the game, staying on top of things, taking plays when they're there. He has forced it at times, but that's kind of the Aaron Rodgers experience, and that's kind of the experience of just being an NFL quarterback. Guys are going to force things from time to time. They want to make a play. Rodgers has done a pretty good job of finding those plays too this year because another thing that's going really well is that the Packers are still cranking out explosive plays at a pretty high rate. Explosive plays, for our definitions, as we've talked about it over the years, are runs of 12 yards or more and passes of 16 yards or more. That's a figure used by a lot of people throughout the NFL, like NFL teams tracking their own internal success. It's a number that was actually developed uh, by the Packers themselves, and you can read about it at thepowersweep.com. Check out our Explosive Plays page. But the Packers have cranked out 76 uh, explosive plays so far this year. That's behind the pace of where they were last year. They had 91 through 12 games last year, but the 2020 Packers played much faster. So if you look at it at a per-play rate, the Packers are actually much closer to where they were last year. In 2020, the Packers produced 111 explosive plays on 990 total offensive plays in the season. That is counting or not including a few plays that were tossed out for penalties or you know things like that. About 111 
explosive plays in 990 offensive plays, just about 11% of the snaps. So far in 2021, it's been 76 in 751 offensive plays, a little over 10%. It's only 1% off from last year. They're really not significantly less explosive at the rate level. In terms of overall volume, sure, they're not quite as explosive, but they're playing differently than they did last year, and they're still producing a lot of explosive plays. Finally, in terms of things that are going really well, I just want to touch on the offensive line again. Got a good question question from Matt Goulet on Twitter today. He asked, which non-player do you give the most credit to for the Packers' success this season? The obvious answer may be Joe Barry, but I think Goody deserves a lot of praise for his approach on the draft and free agency. I agree with both of those. Barry, a great suggestion. Goody, a great suggestion too. Brian Gutekunst, um, for their, their own merits. Uh, Barry has done a lot to elevate the defense with basically the same unit that um, that Mike Pettin dealt with the last couple of years. He's got Devondre Campbell, he's got Eric Stokes, but other than that, it's basically the same group. Brian Gutekunst has put a lot of those players in place, but Barry's made it go. But in addition to both of those, I would add offensive line coach Adam Stenovich and assistant offensive line coach Luke Butkus. They have done so well this year at piecing together a Packers offensive line that uh, is functional and in some cases exceptional week in and week out. We don't need to do the whole injury recap. You know it as well as I do, but just for kicks, I'm going to do it anyway. The Packers have gone without their starting left tackle this year, and not just any starting left tackle, probably the best in the league, one of the best in the league at the very least in David Bakhtiari. They've gotten by without their second string left tackle in Elton Jenkins. And if we're talking about Elton Jenkins, you might as well say they're starting left guard and technically their second string center too, because all things being equal, Elton Jenkins would probably be playing center over Lucas Patrick if he had to. And he would have to because Josh Myers is out, the Packers starting center. The Packers have dealt with a lot of injuries up front, a lot of uncertainty, and you really haven't been able to tell. The offensive line is doing well this year got some concerns there. We'll talk about those later on, but things are going well on the offensive line. So things that are going really, really well, noteworthy in how well they're doing, going are passing efficiency, explosive plays, and the offensive line. What's not going so well then? There are a couple areas of concern here. Talk about running game production. Matt LaFleur has always talked about his offense being run-based. I don't know if that's true. If you look at some of the numbers about run versus pass in neutral situations, the Packers still lean pretty heavy pass. And that's probably how it should be, too. That's the way the league is constructed. That's what's best analytically. It's It just makes a lot of sense. You should probably pass more than you run. But even given that reality, the Packers just haven't been as good on the ground as they were last year. They're averaging just 4.1 yards per carry as a team. That's down from 4.8 last year. And I don't know how this squares with the great run game grade that the Packers have from Pro Football Focus, but I think it's worth noting that it just hasn't been as productive. Neither Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon is averaging more than 4.2 yards per carry. Both of them have shown that they can get the Packers by situationally. A.J. Dillon has done especially well converting short yardage situations this year. But 4.2 yards per carry is less than you would like to see. It's a career low for Aaron Jones. His career average is 5 yards per carry even. Down from last year, it was at 5.5 yards per carry in 2020. So yeah, it's gone down a ways, and I think you can chalk a lot of that up to the the offensive line, but not all of it either. 
The other thing that hasn't really gone so well for the offense this year is is the deep ball, specifically connecting with Marquez Valdez Scantling on on the deep shot stuff. This is largely an Aaron Rodgers issue, as we'll touch on here in a second, but Marquez Valdez Scantling is the one suffering for it. He's only got seventeen catches on the year, still averaging eighteen point two yards per catch, and has shown especially the last couple of weeks that he can still crank off a big play when he's got a but uh, it's hurting him in the wallet, unfortunately. He's heading in, or he is in a contract year. He figures to cash in pretty big this offseason, but it would have helped him cash in a lot more if he had been able to, one, stay healthy, and two, uh, put up big plays the way at the same rate as he did um, the last couple of years, last year in particular. But Aaron Rodgers is the real concern here because Aaron Rodgers has been a below league average quarterback on deep balls to the left and down the middle and to the right. Passes over 20 yards on this season. His passer rating is 45.1 to the deep left, 50.3 to the deep middle, and 74.7 to the deep right. Significant, significant drop-off from last year. Last year it was 84.1 to deep left, 132.2 to the deep middle, and 134.3 to the deep right. You can still probably see some positive regression there, just becoming a little bit more in line with his historical norms, but I think it's concerning. Some of it's probably due to the offensive line. It's harder to get off deep shots when you've got to run for your life before setting and throwing. But part of it is Rodgers just hasn't quite been as sharp, especially throwing to the deep right. It's been hard for him to connect with uh, with MVS. And it's really a mystery as to why. So we've covered what's going well. We've covered what's not going so well. Going forward, what are our questions and concerns? Two big questions for me. First, can the offensive line Hold, hold up. How many guys can you reasonably lose before it's just too much? I know David Bakhtiari is hopefully going to be back here in the near future. I remain pretty confident that he will play this season. I think we're at the point where it's fair to be a little bit concerned, but we'll see after the bye week uh, what's what's really going on there. But other than him, how many guys can you really, really withstand? Because they don't have Elton Jenkins, they still don't have Josh Myers back. It's a it's a threadbare unit in a lot of ways. What happens if Lucas Patrick goes down? Are they really going to go to Jake Hansen? I don't know if you really can. If Lucas Patrick goes down and Josh Myers comes back, they're still probably okay, but you would have liked to be able to slide Lucas Patrick probably over to guard. It's just a question of, of how much they can really put up with. It's also a question of whether or not a good defense can take advantage of the Packers' weaknesses on the on the offensive line. Now, the Rams couldn't, but there are other good defenses out there. Thinking of one that resides down in the state of Florida right now. The Packers go up against Tampa Bay in the playoffs again. We're going to see a repeat of last year. The offensive line was basically the Packers' undoing in the playoffs. Will that be the case again? Second big question I have is whether or not the Packers can add anything to the offense. It's always nice if you can see a little bit of growth or or an added element late in the year. The most obvious thing would be Aaron Rodgers and Marquez Valdez-Scantling figuring it out together on the deep balls. But it's also possible that the Packers could just continue to unlock Josiah DeGuara. He's been a, been a big and interesting part of their offense over the last couple of weeks, and you can see the Packers' confidence in him growing. What can he bring to the offense that they didn't have before? He's not going to be Robert Tunyon, but he was never going to be Robert Tunyon. He was a different kind of player. What's he going to do? Finally, just as a curiosity, is Dennis Kelly ever going to play? 
this question is really just for me because this is like a Ryan Grant wide receiver situation. You remember that from a few years back? Packers signed wide receiver Ryan Grant, not the running back to wide receiver, played with Washington, played with Oakland, played with the Packers, sort of. He was on the roster for months and months and months, but never made it to the 53 during a game. Just healthy scratch after healthy scratch. Dennis Kelly is kind of that sort of situation. Is he ever going to play? Who knows? Just some random stuff then. Uh, Figured we'd do superlatives. Uh, Who's the best? Who's the worst so far this season? Don't want to focus too much on the worst, but the best player, I think, uh, on the offense so far this year has been Devontae Adams. Just an absolute joy to watch. I know it's kind of a a cliche almost to say at this point, but he is a space alien. Just the things he does, running routes, uh, and the consistency with which he puts up big numbers week in, week out. Had 100 yards against the Rams, barely noticed. Just so routine are his big performances that it's it's easy to take him for granted. Flip side, I think you have to go with Amari Rodgers. A third-round pick should have a bigger role on the offense, and right now it's hard to determine if he's got a role at all on the offense. If the Packers have any other available options, it seems like they go in a different direction. And uh, it's it's concerning here in the short term. Long term, I don't know if you can write him off yet. Short term, returns have not been great. Best play, I think, for the Packers this year, my favorite play at least, was Randall Cobb's third down option play versus Minnesota. Everything about that was just incredible. Uh, putting Cobb in a position to make a play, uh, a play that depends on his you know previous option ability dating back to his time at, at Kentucky, a play set up to run to the left because he's left-handed, just beautiful stuff and picking up a first down in a high-leverage situation. I couldn't really think of a worst play this year. There's been a couple interceptions that have not been great from Aaron Rodgers. It'd probably be one of those. So we'll just move past that. Uh, sticking with the high like high school yearbook type superlative stuff, most likely to succeed on the Packers roster, I'd say A.J. Dillon. So far this year, he's become everything we wanted. Uh, you want him to be a short yardage power back? He's become the short yardage power back. You want him to show that just not catching a lot of passes at Boston College was a fluke? Well, he's shown that. You want him to be an athletic, explosive runner? Just a traditional running back? He can do that too. Finally, best hair. I'm going with Devontae Adams again. He's really developed uh, that hairstyle of his over the past couple of years. I really am enjoying full dreadlock Devontae Adams. It's weird to look back at highlights from him from 2014 and 2015. He almost looks like a complete different player physically just because his hair looks different. But I like the hair now, and it looks good. And uh, he can wear his hair however he wants as long as he keeps reducing like he is. A couple final thoughts here then on the Packers offense, then we'll we'll let you go. Uh, Randall Cobb, I think, has been everything the Packers could have hoped when they traded for him from the Houston Texans. And I, I really hope he is able to get back to full health after the bye week. Uh, just a third down machine, uh, a versatile piece. He can play in the backfield. He can play in the slot. He can still make plays down the field. He looks as athletic as he's ever been. I, I bet he would beat most of the Packers wide receivers in a foot race, maybe other than Probably close with Devontae Adams, certainly not Marquez Valdez-Scantling. But I bet he's faster than Amari Rodgers, and I bet he's faster than Alan Lazard. That's, that's pretty good company for a guy on the wrong side of 30. Kind of cynically, you got to wonder what other moves might have gone this way. Uh, what other things the Packers could have done over the years, you know, apply, acro- acquiring a player for pretty low cost who fits into your offense like Cobb does. That's the way things go. 
unless you can really identify some moves, it's really hard to to say substantially what could have been different. We do know there's some moves that, that maybe they, they would have made if things were slightly different, but those moves may not have worked out. What moves could they could have tried that would have worked out the other way too? I mean, everybody wanted snacks last year, and once he finally got to Green Bay, it was just kind of meh. But still, they tried with Cobb, and it's worked out. What else could they have tried? I'm also, I've also been thinking about Kylan Hill a lot. We'll never know, but I wonder what Kylan Hill could have contributed to the Packers' offense at this point, especially during that week that Aaron Jones was out, or with Aaron Jones now slowly returning from injury. How would he have factored into the offense? What could he have done this year? Real shame that we're never going to know, and we really hope that he, he makes a full recovery. Finally, wanted to note one thing I'm really rooting for on offense for the Packers down the stretch here. Mercedes Lewis had a touchdown taken off the board against the Cardinals, clearly out of bounds. Should have just let it stand for coolness points alone, just stabbing the ball out of the air with one hand, uh, like the giant guy that he is. And it's a real shame that uh, he had that one taken off the board because that would have tied him with Jimmy Graham for total touchdowns during their time in Green Bay. Now, Graham was here only for two years, and Lewis has been here for four, but still... It would have been nice to see him draw even with another noteworthy free agent tight end who has passed through Green Bay in the not-too-distant past. So that means he's got to get two to pass Jimmy Grand before the end of the year, and uh, I'm really hoping he does it. That's really the number one thing, other than overall Packers success that I'm rooting for. Let's get two touchdowns for Mercedes Lewis. So I've got for you in this episode. Appreciate you tuning in. Next week we will be back for a discussion on the Packers' defense and special teams before getting back to our regularly scheduled regular season programming. In the meantime, if you enjoyed this episode, I'd appreciate it a lot if you would uh, share it with someone else you think would enjoy it. That's going to help more people find the show, and it's going to get more people involved in this conversation you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We will see you next time on Blue 58.